So hello, everyone. I would like to welcome you all to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. I'm your host, Lee Nichols, and we have a great discussion lined up today with the founder and CEO of H2S Zero, Mike Calloway. So today we're going to be discussing with him aspects of the natural gas industry and the technologies that are shaping this sector. So without without further ado, I don't want to waste any more time. I'd like to welcome in Mike. Mike, how are you doing today? Great, Lee. I appreciate you uh, providing an opportunity for us to share our technology with your uh, readers. Excellent. Well, now, before we dive into the discussion today, can you tell the listeners a little bit more about H2S Zero and the company's role within the natural gas industry? Okay, a little bit of history. Uh, I've worked in the uh, sour gas treating industry for about 30 years, worked for a major oil uh, production chemical company. Uh, developing and applying H2S scavengers. And so that's where I got started. Uh, And over that time, we realized there was a need for a better uh, mousetrap, so to speak. So we started on it, and here we are today. (laughs) Excellent. Now, I'm glad you you mentioned uh, uh, about natural gas here, because I want to talk a little bit about contaminants. So People that uh, are, are in the natural gas industry probably know about this, but maybe people that are just starting in, what contaminants can be found in natural gas? And of course, then the big question is, is why do they need to be removed? Well, that's the main question that everybody has, is what are we gonna do with the contaminants that's in the gas? And those contaminants usually are hydrogen sulfide. You know, hydrogen sulfide is a corrosive and poisonous compound. It's found in lots of gases, mainly natural gas, uh, but it's also found in like sewer gas. Everybody's, you know, smelled that rotten egg smell when they drive by the sewer plant. And so they're familiar with that. And then also, you know, landfill gas has H2S in it. uh, And there's other applications, but the H2S is the main one that we focused on to start with. And so we developed compounds for removing H2S from gases, mainly natural gas. Uh, and then there's other compounds that usually accompany uh, H2S, like mercaptans, which is another form of sulfur. And so we've really expanded our market into sulfur removal and not just hydrogen sulfide removal. So that's some of the things that you we focused on, but some of the other contaminants that you you know, comes up is uh, CO2, there's a limit, you know, how much CO2 you can have in a gas and how much oxygen you can have in the gas. So there's a few other things, but we strictly focus on sulfur removal so far. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to get to the technologies because to remove these contaminants, what are the current technologies that exist for treating? Uh, and as a kind of as a follow-up to that, I mean, are they equally effective or is there a specific niche for each of those technologies? Well, that's a great question because there, there's different levels of sulfur contamination. And so we kind of break it down into how many pounds a day do you need to remove from your gas stream? And so the our niche, we call it a scavenger technology, uh, and the industry is very familiar with that term. Uh, we're in the small 
pounds per day, say 1,500 to 2,000 pounds a day of H2S, that's kind of the scavenger market. And then when you get over that poundage, you go into larger systems such as amine treating or low cat treating, which uses a recycling chemistry. And then from there, you go on into really large technologies for sulfur. You're actually making elemental sulfur from the compound that, uh, and this you know, gets very expensive. And so there's those kind of those three niches, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 pounds a day, and then it goes on up from there and then into the sulfur plants. So what we're going to, what we focused on is the scavenger market, which is that 15 to 2,000 pounds a day sulfur. And so historically, uh, it was started out with what was called iron sponge, which was really an iron compound coated onto wood chips. And so that's how that market really started. And you can actually still buy that material today. Uh, it's, you know, we it's been surpassed technically quite a bit, but you can still get it. It's called iron sponge. Uh, and then after the iron sponge was developed, uh, decades later, they came out with a iron oxide material that was supported on an inert substrate. So that's kind of the next step up. They got away from the wood chips because the wood chips were, you know, combustible. So that was a problem because iron sulfide will get really hot when you expose it to air. And so you could have have a problem. So they got away from the iron sponge, went to the supported catalyst material. And then they developed the triazine liquid material. And that's where I really started my career, you know, of learning about H2S removal was developing triazine, which is a liquid compound. And it was a, a big improvement at the time. Uh, it's a liquid, so you could inject it into a flow line. You could put it in a bubble tower and so you had a couple options there uh, and then we developed the mixed metal oxide material which is a non-supported basically 100 percent active material that is used in a pressure vessel and you flow the gas through the pressure vessel and it chemically reacts with the h2s it forms iron sulfide in the vessel and then when you clean it out, uh, either you know by washing it out or hydrovacuuming it out, it's you wash it out with water, and and so the air reacts with the iron sulfide, and you end up with elemental sulfur. So it's a non-hazardous byproduct when you're done at the end of the day. It's so you can go to landfill with it. So it's a really green system. And so that's the kind of the historically the technology in the scavenger market today is and it's really come down to triazine and mixed metal oxide technology as the two most popular methods right now so and then are there any drawbacks i mean if any for each of these systems well of course everything is, it's not a perfect case for everyone so let's talk about the liquid triazine uh, the benefits of it is you can do a flow line injection. It takes very little capital. You can get started quickly. And so that's that's a benefit. If you have just a few pounds a day of H2S that you can remove, that's the, really what you should be using. And so 
the bad part is it's uh, economics are pretty steep, so it's expensive to treat with it. And then it also the byproduct will plug your system up. So it's when you react it, it is going to form a solid somewhere. And so it's just a matter of where and how far down the line it is before it starts plugging up stuff. And so that's kind of the the good and the bad of triazine is that you can get started quickly and economically. It's got a high operating cost and it'll cause solids downstream. And it's really, I mean, it stinks really bad when it makes solids and you can't clean it out with anything. It's not soluble in basically anything. So it's, uh, if you plug it, you replace it kind of thing. So, uh, so then we get into the dry, what I call dry catalyst material, which is the category we're in. Uh, and our technology is, uh, the benefits are that it's very self-regulating, which what that means is you put a reactor vessel out there and you fill it up with our material. You run the gas through it and it only uses what it needs to use. So if you want to, if you got a hundred parts coming in, you're going to remove a hundred parts. And you, so you self-regulating means you don't, it's hands off. You don't have to worry about a pump overrunning or a tank leaking chemicals out on the ground. And it's just the simplest method there is. And so you put the material in there, you run the gas through it. And of course it has some, we can give you a prediction, you know, prediction on the, runtime how many days it would run depending on you know the gas flow rate the h2s concentration the size of the reactor vessel and how many pounds of material you have there but so we have a good historical you know doc you know, record on that and what it how long it'll run under ideal conditions uh, and so the good one of the other good things about our material compared to other dry catalyst materials is our material cleans out really easily. Some of the other products will tend to brick up and be just really hard to remove and get out of the vessel. But our material is pretty, uh, it's not free flowing, but it's uh, very uh, movable with water. It's kind of like washing sand off your sidewalk. You know, it doesn't dissolve, but it moves it around good. You can get it out. And so that's been a huge benefit to our technology is the clean out procedure. Uh, one of the other things about us is uh, our capacity is much higher than everybody else. So you don't have to change it nearly as often as you would the competitive materials. So let's say you save three clean outs instead of, you know, versus the competitors, you save a lot of money. And so, and you have very little downtime that way. So those are kind of the, some of the benefits. And uh, one of the, some of the negatives on the, on our material is, you know, you got to have a pressure vessel. So there's a little capital involved in the upfront and, uh, but you quickly recoup, recoup that in lower operating costs. So the, you know, the cost per pound of sulfur removed is really economical with our system. Yeah, no, the, the benefits sound pretty good, <laughs> tell you the truth, versus some of the competition. <laughs> well, I guess well, I got one or two more questions for you. Um, one, I want to kind of talk about just uh, current marketing conditions right now. So 
the current market conditions of higher prices for natural gas, I mean, how are they affecting the trading market? Well, you know, gas has gone up uh, about three times, which is, uh, you know, good for producers. Uh, so it's made the gas market uh, more aggressive, really, because there's more, you know, a little more money in it. So the gas that wasn't economical to treat at two dollars a you know a thousand now at say five dollars there's enough margin in it that they're turning these wells on they're they're starting to crank up things that weren't economical and so it's created a a really new area for us a new market additional market rather really it's not new but additional markets and so we've you know we're having a good year and things are uh moving along with the and we we think it's just going to keep rolling, but the because of that, you know, there's other natural gas, uh, not natural gas, but other gases that also are part of this market. So other opportunities uh, that we're in and, and doing, you know, treating in is like landfill gases. Uh, you know, when they when you take your trash to the landfill, they put it in there and it decomposes, and you end up making methane gas and it normally will have some h2s in it and so they'd have to treat that gas and so we're able to treat it uh with our system very economically so that's one another system that we like is the landfill gas people and and the higher gases of course has helped them higher prices and and then there's uh also some uh, re, you know, sewer gas, which is what we call sewer gas, but it could be biogas for dairies or chicken farms where they do anaerobic digestion, generate H2S, and they have to treat that. So uh, that's a market for us. And then there's also a big push for renewable diesel made from organic, like soybeans, things like that. Uh, and when they do that, there's usually a, a step in there where they generate H2S, and so we will treat that also. And so we're excited about that new renewable diesel market. Uh, also, we treat uh, we can treat CO2 gas streams, uh, like off of uh, an amine unit or uh, an ethanol plant that generates a lot of CO2 can have H2S in it. So we can treat CO2 gas and remove the H2S from a pure or mainly pure CO2 stream. And so those are some of the things that we can do as a uh, in some of these new markets that's made because of the economics, it's made it more uh, valuable for them. And so we're always finding new applications for these uh, for this technology. So uh, we think the uh, gas market is just going to keep getting better for a while. So, yeah, right. Exactly. Hope so. Uh, I, now, one thing I did want to uh, mention is, so if if people want to find out more information about this these different type of technologies you guys offer, where's the best place to go? I mean, I, I believe y'all have several uh, case studies and stuff on your site. Is is that the place best place to to, to check out for more information? Sure. Go to our website h2s0.com. You'll find uh, case studies, you'll find uh, product information, contact information. Uh, we'll have a, a phone number there. You can call and talk to a, a real person. We we get back to you, you know, same day. 
so we're very responsive uh, and really we're uh, we kind of like to view ourselves as a problem solving company we're not just selling product if you have a prod you know a project and you you need help with it you know we might be a good resource for things other than h2s because we work with industry people that remove oxygen and you know other contaminants that we don't do but we have them in our toolbox so that it could be a resource for uh, our customers and add value to our contacts Excellent. And can you tell the, the listeners again what that website was? Website is h2s0.com and zero is spelled out. Lee, I wanted to just uh, mention a couple of other things that we can do in the uh, sulfur removal market. Uh, we're currently treating some hydrocarbon liquids like propane, uh, butane, and NGLs for sulfur removal, you know, including H2S, but also mercaptans. And which all of these help you meet the uh, copper strip test requirements for corrosion. So we're doing that successfully, and that may be of interest to your your readers. And then also, uh, we have a method for removing oxygenates from hydrocarbon gases and liquids. And oxygenates, the biggest one in the in the oil and gas industry, would be methanol. So we can get your methanol content down below uh, pipeline specs, uh, which may be helpful to you. Excellent. Well, hey, Mike, can't thank you again enough for joining us for a couple minutes to discuss this important topic with us. And again, of course, we want to thank all of you for listening to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column.